Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. Here we go, big double episode. The final on Friday night, it's the Cleveland Guardians 10, the Houston Astros 9. On Saturday night, unfortunately, it's the Houston Astros 6, your Cleveland Guardians 4. So far, we're 1-1 in the series. This Sunday game, which, by the way, is bumped up an hour because rain is finally coming to Northeast Ohio, uh, will decide this series. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy watching baseball being played. And I mean, of all nights to take a game off, of all weekends to take a game off, apparently it was maybe the game of the season. <laughs> and I am on the road between Cleveland and Columbus, unable to watch and uh, man, I I loved looking through Guardians Twitter last night. Uh, I listened a little bit in the car. I listened a little bit in the car, and uh, I heard the first few innings. And I heard Hamilton talking about what was going on with uh, with Logan Allen, and uh, just you know, thinking to myself, man, maybe I picked a good game to skip, you know, maybe, maybe it's just not the Guardians night. And then to see, I think I checked my phone and we were in like the 12th inning and to dive back in and to see what I had missed and see what had gone on and see the reactions on Guardians Twitter and your emails and your tweets. Uh, it's pretty funny. It was pretty funny to see all of that reaction. And hey, I mean, let's, we are going to dive into that game for sure. Uh, here's the thing. A game like this, it isn't even about the stats. It's about the moment. It's about the emotions. It's about this roller coaster of a win probability line here that had Sarah Langs tweeting it out last night. If you get Sarah Langs' attention, you, she's a fantastic follow on Twitter, uh, a fantastic follow in the baseball world. And uh, she loves win probability lines like this. So it's just like getting pitching ninjas attention, right? It, it's it's fun when the Guardians do something that gets that gets the national people, gets their attention. Um, so yeah, so just this game isn't even about the numbers, which we spend so much time doing on this show. This one truly is about the emotions. Um, before we dive in though, before we dive in, I just want to remind everyone that we're going to clean out the inbox. So this is going to be a ridiculously long episode. Honestly, if I go an hour and I'm recording this late at night on Saturday night, if I go an hour, I apologize. There's just so much to get through. If you break it up and listen to it in, in a couple, some people emailed me, they said, you know, I listened during my workout. I listened when I walk the dog. If you break it up over two workouts, I, I fully understand. Like, if you don't listen to the entire episode in one go. Listen to two, half of it on your drive to work. Listen to the other half on the way home. I get it. So, uh, we're going to get into it. We'll dive into it. And uh, these emails are going to be fun. I've I've read a few of the emails. And some of these go back to April, May. Uh, remember, these things got stuck in the spam folder. I'm so sorry about that. Definitely not going to happen anymore. And uh, so, yeah. So, some of these takes are pretty interesting. Like, they... They seemed like solid takes at the time, and now, I don't know, I think even you emailers might be questioning some of these takes, so we're going to get into all that. So, we're starting with Friday night's game. Like I said, this amazing game, 14 innings, and so I'm listening to the beginning of this game, and they're jumping 
all over Logan Allen. You know, I was looking for something in an article or a quote afterwards where someone talked about this, but there's so much happened in extra innings that this kind of got lost in the shuffle. But Logan Allen had his probably his worst start of of his young career of his rookie season, which is going to happen. Uh, they jump on him. He he does last six innings, so I mean that helped. Could you imagine if he didn't last six innings? How Texas bullpen would have been then? Uh, but he lasts six innings, does give up nine hits, five earned runs, two walks, four strikeouts, does give up the home run in the first inning. More importantly, he's hard hit one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine times. Uh, that was the storyline of the game. The hard hit balls, both offenses, both offenses throughout this game had 18 hard hit balls, 18 balls put in play with 95 must 95 plus mile per hour exit velocity. That is a lot. Even for 14 innings, that is a lot of hard hit balls. Everyone on the Guardians except for Miles Straw, which, hey, no slouch for Miles Straw. He, he goes three for six on the day with a double and a run scored. And, uh, so not a bad offensive day at all for Miles Straw. He's just the only one on the roster without a hard hit ball. Naylor had four 95-plus mile per hour exit velocity shots himself, 99.9, 102.4, 101.8, 108. 108. Uh, Ahmed Rosario had three. Ramirez had two. Bell two. Even Freeman pinch hitting had two. So the five hole had four combined. Uh, so yeah. So and Will Brennan had two as well. Meanwhile, on the other side of things, I mean the Astros hitters. It must. It must be the scouting report. It just must be an attitude from those Astros hitters. Where look, Logan Allen is already getting a reputation as a strike thrower. And so those Astros hitters must have been thinking to themselves, we just swing, just attack. If he's throwing strikes, then we got to attack those strikes. Like that has to have been, I mean, Hamilton was, I was listening on the radio and Hamilton was finding some fishy things with how aggressive the Astros hitters were being. And, you know, Houston is going to carry that reputation around with them. For a long time. I mean, until until Carlos Correa, and I know he's not with the Astros anymore, but until him and Altuve and Bregman, until they retire, like literally until they retire, they are going to carry around that reputation with them of are they up to something? Are the old Houston Astros up to something again? Uh, but maybe it's just they knew Logan Allen was going to throw first pitch strikes. Like he's looking to throw as many strikes as possible and light up the zone. So if you want a good pitch to swing at, you might as well swing at the first pitch. And they did. They did it a ton, especially in that first inning. It was crazy. Um, Dubon, uh, first pitch of the game ends up hitting a double. Uh, Altuve goes after the first pitch. He pops out. A four-seam fastball uh, that was in on him for the first out. Bregman uh, takes a sweeper outside, so he lays off. He doesn't go after the first pitch. Uh, Kyle Tucker goes after the first pitch. He flies out on a high and tight fastball, and then Abreu uh, doesn't take the. He takes the first pitch. Actually, it was off the plate, but he gets a called strike on it. Allen does, and eventually leaves him a fastball right down the middle, uh, just below the belt. 
that he hits out for a three-run home run at 107.1. It was kind of a line shot out to right field, only an 18-degree launch angle. All right, I'm going to throw some numbers in here. So, uh, you know, Bray was having a terrible season, an absolute terrible season. And uh, he uh, he gets a, you know, a chance at first base. Their normal first baseman is hurt, so he gets an opportunity here. And, uh, I mean, it's got to be, it's got to be one of those situations where he's just played so many games in Cleveland, so many games against Cleveland. He just feels comfortable. And, I mean, a home run Friday night and then a three-run home run in the first inning Saturday night. Are you kidding me? That's unbelievable. If Abreu comes up in the first inning, do not pitch to him today on Sunday. Just don't in the first inning. It's fine. Just pitch around him. I don't care what the base is loaded. I don't care. Just pitch around Abreu in the first inning. The rest of the game, you could pitch to him. But, I mean, really, I mean, something's something's going on in those first innings uh, where he's all over it. So they were jumping on Logan Allen a ton. A ton of hard hit balls given up. And they jump out. I mean, they're out to a 5-1 to one lead. And then the guards come storming back. I mean, they were absolutely relentless in this game. Uh, so the fact that they they do it their way, they dig back in, um, Quan with a double, Rosario with a double, Jimenez with a sack fly to bring in that final run. I mean, what a rally. What a fun rally. And they're going against Christian Javier, who's supposed to be the best pitcher on the Astros. And let me tell you something. If you listen to the radio broadcast of Friday night's game, right? Whatever you were doing, maybe you were, maybe you were working out, maybe you were walking the dog, uh, maybe you're driving to you know south through Ohio. Uh, Hamilton was all about Christian Javier. He was gushing about Christian Javier, and Javier had one of his worst starts of the entire season. Now he's only hard hit five times. It would be the bullpen that would give up a ton of hard hit stuff. But um, he gives up seven hits over five innings, four earned runs, three walks, which did not help him at all, uh, and only two strikeouts on 90 pitches. So, him, you know, this person that's supposed to be so hard to get a base hit off of, the Guardians offense actually, actually stepped up, and they climbed back into this game. And this would be the thing all night, right? It was, it was weird that the Guardians just couldn't, they never took the lead. Right, they never they tie the game up in the seventh inning. A solo home run by Jose Ramirez. Remember, coming off that three home run game uh, against Boston, uh, hits the solo home run here in the seventh. He almost had one earlier in the game. Uh, I believe it was in the first inning. Uh, didn't he hit one high off the wall uh, in the first inning? Uh, let me double check. Yeah, he sharp uh, fly ball to right field. Uh, he doubled in the first inning, so he almost has one there. I mean, it hit pretty high up on the wall. Going back to the scoreboard, let's see what the it would have been a home run in three out of thirty ballparks. All right, it's um, not bad, uh, but he gets it in the seventh. So I mean, you guys wanted Ramirez to lock in. Ramirez is locking in the home run in the seventh. Would have been a home run in twenty-five out of thirty ballparks. So we tie the game up and. It was just a crazy game where nobody nobody was winning except for that first inning. They, the Astros definitely win the first inning. 
Nobody was really winning innings up until that after that. Uh, you know, they score one in the top of the fifth to extend their lead. Uh, we answer with three in the bottom of the fifth to make it a 4-5 game. We tie it up in the bottom of the seventh. The solo home run for Ramirez. They go ahead and they scratch a run across in the eighth inning. It's a sack fly by Diaz that brings in that run. But, I mean, Karen Check gives up two walks and a hit in that inning. It's, it's what got him demoted. Uh, he gets DFA'd after this game. Now, number one, he gets DFA'd because somebody had to come up with a fresh arm and pitch in this bullpen uh, for Saturday night's game. But it's the walks. It's the walks that are getting him DFA'd. I mean, Karinchek, we can all agree that Karinchek has some filthy stuff, right? When he's, when he's actually hitting the top of the strike zone with that fastball and when he's putting that curveball at the knees, it's damn near unhittable. We can all agree on that. But I'm, you got to be able to do it on a somewhat consistent basis. And he just, the walks kill him. They get him into so much trouble. And we've made jokes. I've saw the jokes on Twitter. Uh, you know, Karinchek comes into a doesn't comes into a non-high leverage situation, so he has to make it a high leverage situation. Yeah, he just makes life so difficult for himself. And now he's going to have to go back and work on that command stuff at AAA. So. A little bit his own fault, a little bit just somebody, somebody had to clear some room um, so we can get a fresh arm in this bullpen. So, yeah, Karinchek gives up the sack fly to Diaz, and then uh, bottom of the ninth inning, we are down to our last out, our last strike on an 0-2 count. Naylor puts one off the left field wall. This is one of those ones, I uh, listening to the highlights back on this one, this is one of those ones where um, you, sometimes I'll just put the TV broadcast on, like on my phone and while I'm walking the dog or something like that. So I'm just listening to the TV broadcast because, frankly, I like the conversation. I like the three of them mixing it up. I like what Andre Knott adds to the broadcast. I think there's a better conversation that happens on TV right now than is happening on radio, even though Hamilton, when he's engaged, calls a fantastic game. Um. Underwood has done this to me multiple, multiple times where he'll give that home run call. A high drive to left field, way back, off the wall. And you're like, oh, for crying out loud, off the wall. Okay, then like your brain has to reset because you're standing there in the middle of your neighborhood with your fist in the air thinking Naylor just hit a two-run home run to walk it off in the bottom of the ninth inning. And then your brain has to like reset. Like, okay, wait, wait, Ramirez was on base. Okay, he's coming in to score. Um, all right, we're tying the game up. That's what we're doing. We're tying the game up. So Naylor with some, I mean, I mean, two outs and an 0-2 count, and he's able to do that. Let's go to the matchup. Let's see uh, what the what the situation was here. See, I'm glad I did it. I'm glad I took the time to do it because we're going to learn something interesting here. Presley just could not stop throwing him curveballs. First pitch curveball for a called strike. Second pitch, curveball, blow the knees, uh, swinging strike, 0-2 count. Fouls off a slider way inside, fouls off a curveball inside, and then he leaves him one more. and He doesn't get it in. I don't know where the catcher was set up. I don't know where the catcher was set up, but he doesn't get it in. 
He doesn't get it below the knees. He leaves it sitting there right at the thighs. And Naylor goes to the opposite field. Man, I love when hitters go to the opposite field. Look, there there are times to pull the ball. There are plenty of times to pull the ball. And there are times to go to the opposite field. And this is one of them because you're in protect mode. So you're already sitting back a little bit. You're already being a little reactive to the pitch instead of being aggressive and attacking the pitch. You're being more reactive in an 0-2 count trying to protect. And curveball already slows you down, so everything is slowing you down. Why not take it to the opposite field? And he gets great lift on it, great contact, 102.4 miles per hour, 31-degree launch angle, 373 high off that wall in left field. So a great at-bat from Josh Naylor, and I mean, he was in the hole. He was battling for his life. And I mean, the magic in this game... Just the magic in this game is absolutely unbelievable. So the fact that neither team can score in the 10th or 11th, and we have our chances. Um, we have our chance in the 11th inning, uh, you know, with runners on. Um, uh, we double play in the 10th. We had our chance in the 10th, and Fry hits into a double play. So both innings, we have a chance to score. Both innings. Um, they have their opportunities. They have their opportunities to score multiple times. Um, in the 12th inning, they really could have put it away. Oh, was it the 12th or the 13th? When does, uh, I think it was the 13th inning. So they do score in the 12th. Kyle Tucker with a single brings in that runner uh, from third, uh, or from, the, from second. He would do that multiple times in this game. Uh, in the 12th and the 14th inning, he drives in the run. But then we shut him down to strikeouts uh, in that 12th. Who was pitching at that time in the 12th inning? That was off of Sam Hench's. Uh, so Tucker does the work for them. But then, I mean, we we respond and we get lucky as heck in the 12th inning. Let's be honest, Cleveland fans. Like, Brennan hits into what should have been a game-ending double play. It was after Andres Jimenez walk, it was runners up first and second. Brennan hits into what should have ended it, but Pena was so determined to take it himself, and he messed up his footwork. You have no idea how important that footwork is uh, throwing off the right foot, and Pena gets on the wrong foot and launches his throw. Uh, The runner is able to come in. I don't even know who the pinch runner was. Naylor scores. Josh Naylor scores. And we Houston brings us right back into the game. Then in the 13th inning, it is um, it is Stephen Kwan who saves the game. So, you know, we do make the assumption that the away team's probably going to get that run across, right? We, we're putting a runner out there on second base for a reason, so someone can drive him in. And they do it with a uh, Maurice Dubon doubles off the wall. Kwan makes an insane barehanded snag of a ricochet off the wall. Even he admitted that he buried himself in the wall a little bit. And that getting that ball in saves that extra run from coming in to score. Then Altuve, he makes the diving catch of Altuve's. It had a 640 expected batting average. It was a 104.8 mile per hour line drive, a 15 degree launch angle. This thing was going to be a hit. I think the defensive stats, something like a 10, 5-10% chance of catching the ball. And Quan slides under and makes the catch. They had to review it. But he made the catch. 
Um, then comes up with the bloop single in the 13th inning. He, the 13th inning belonged to Stephen Kwan, and he ties the game back up. Then in the 14th, Tucker again with a single drives in that runner from second. And then our young guys go to work. Uh, Tyler Freeman with a double at 108.4 miles per hour. And then Will Brennan sends the double in the left field. Uh, you know, I don't know if it one hopped the wall or hit off the base of the wall. It doesn't matter. It was over the left fielder's head. Freeman was coming in to score. And it's a party at the corner of Carnegie in Ontario. And it's a party across Cleveland. It's a party across Guardians Nation. I mean, just the emotional explosion from Guardians fans of completing this comeback, fighting and fighting and tying it up in the 7th and tying it up in the ninth, and the 12th and the 13th and the 14th just to keep coming back like that. I, I mean, it had the feel of like a Hollywood of a Hollywood movie. I'm, I'm thinking of like a Rocky movie, right? That's what it kind of felt like where Rocky's just on the ropes time and time again. And he just keeps swinging until it's the last round. And he finally knocks out the villain. That's what it felt like here. And Houston is a great villain and it just makes it that much more enjoyable. So, MVP on the day goes to everybody. Everybody. The whole team is sharing MVP on the day for Friday night's win. I'm I'm a little bit heartbroken. I didn't get to watch it live, but I'm so glad we live in an age of technology where I was able to consume as much of this game as I possibly could, uh, you know, over these last two days. Whether it's reading... The stats and seeing the highlights and watching the condensed game on the MLB app and going through the stats here on StatCast. Uh, yeah, just I'm glad that I was able to join in as much as I could and enjoy this win with you. So Friday night, absolutely phenomenal. So how do we kick off Saturday's game? Let's move over to Saturday. We kick it off by giving up another three-run home run to Jose Abreu. Are you kidding me? 109 miles per hour, a 19-degree launch angle, another line drive home run uh, from Jose Abreu. I'm telling you, just it's something about it's something about this former AL Central foe. Uh, it's got to be. This was a line drive to center field uh, instead of to right field. It has to be something about coming back into the AL Central just locked Jose Abreu in. Uh, so they put up three more in the first inning off Tristan McKenzie, who was not having his best game. Like, I mean, Logan Allen, they were very aggressive against him. McKenzie, they were aggressive against him, but he also, if you look at his location, and I was very excited to see McKenzie pitch. I was excited to have him in there. Um, he just couldn't get a handle on that slider. There's so many sliders at the top of the strike zone. I mean, a ridiculous amount of sliders at the top of the strike zone. That's not where that pitch belongs. There are many locations that a slider typically ends up. And at the shoulders and above is usually not where you'll find them. There's even a couple curveballs up there, too. So it, it's weird to me. I, I would love if... You know, Andre Knott or someone who has access uh, would take the time to talk to these pitchers and ask them, well, what is happening in game? Like, what happens in real time 
when you can't get a handle on your slider. Like he lasts, uh, how many goes? He go five or six innings in this game. He goes five innings in this game. Uh, what what goes on in between innings? Like you have time to talk with your catchers. You have time to talk with your coaches. So, you know, what adjustments do you try to make when you don't have a feel for a pitch like that? Like, what is actually happening in real time in the dugout, on the mound even, during a game like this? It's just to understand the psychology of what they go through to try to get themselves right. I would love, love to hear a conversation like that. And McKenzie seems like the kind of guy who's pretty open uh, to talking about stuff like this. So, um I don't know. I don't know if, if we see it in any post-game articles or any post-game quotes or anything like that. Maybe we'll get a little bit of insight. But uh, it seems like it's going to have to be a, like a special conversation. Like you'd really have to sit down and talk about this sort of thing with a player. So McKenzie struggles, but again, keep kind of keeps you in the game. Uh, he does strike out the side in the fifth inning, so at least he finishes with a flourish. Um, and then the bullpen, I mean, thank you. To Tim Heron. Tim Heron comes in and throws 47 pitches. Tim Heron is not that kind of guy. Uh, that's not what he was up here for. But with the bullpen absolutely gassed. De Los Santos was the last man in the bullpen on Friday night. So he pitches an inning. Does throw 23 pitches. So, I mean, he has to work to get through that inning. I, a walk and two strikeouts can get you there. It it. It's nice to get those strikeouts, but they can run your pitch count up. So he throws 23 pitches, so he's out of there. And then Heron comes in and pitches the last three. Oh, it's not going to tell me. Now, he did pitch two innings in a game against the Yankees, but it's not telling me the number of pitches. I, I looked at the game log. I was hoping it would tell me the number of pitches he thrown in each one of these appearances. Not there. So I'm going to assume this is probably the most pitches he's thrown in an appearance so far in his short career. Uh, so, yeah, he does give up the run. They do extend their lead in the ninth inning. And, I mean, they kept showing shots at Francona in the bullpen. And Francona had this look on his face like, please just let them hit one in play and make an out. Like, we, come on, we got two outs left. Let's please just get out of this thing. Um so he finally does. He finally gets out of it. Uh, unfortunately, extending the lead. The Guardians rally in the ninth, but it's just not enough. The three-run deficit is too much. Uh, but the, the important thing in this one in game two is the Guardians still had that fight. Even after giving up another three-run home run to uh, Jose Abreu, they come back and they respond with a run of their own in the first inning. They put together a bunch of hits. It starts with an Ahmed Rosario double, single by Ramirez, sack fly by Josh Naylor. Will Brennan was single after that before Arias finally grounds out to end the threat. So, clearly 3-1 to one game, not going down without a fight. They are back to play some baseball. Fourth inning, another terrible inning for Tristan McKenzie. A bunch of walks in this inning. Uh, before finally getting out of it by striking out Kyle Tucker, I believe on a high fastball, if I remember correctly. Um, but then the Guardians, uh, you know, now they're really down. Now they're down 5-1. to one. And the question again, will they continue to fight? And the seventh inning comes around, and they put together another rally in the seventh inning. It starts with a Quan walk to kick things off, um, and then singles by Ramirez and Naylor, and then a double by Will Brennan. 
and they get the run across. Ramirez's single, uh, if I remember correctly, is that the throw from right field where Quan almost got thrown out? Almost. I, the catcher doesn't field the ball cleanly. Even if he does, it actually on the replay when they slowed things down, Quan might have got his hand in there anyways. Even if the ball was in the catcher's mitt, uh, he might have been safe. But either way, the catcher can't come. It's it's a real tight short hop for Maldonado. I mean, it's everything is happening really fast. You know, they talked about it on the TV broadcast how that's such a hard play because you know you could feel the runner bearing down on you, but you you can't look at him. You can't. You don't know exactly where he is. So you got to try to scoop that ball and get that tag down as fast as humanly possible. So a lot of things happening very fast for Maldonado, and he just can't get the ball up out of the dirt with that catcher's mitt. So uh, Quan, once again, fearless rounding third base. He is going for everything he can get rounding third base. Uh, and so, yes, yeah, so they put together a nice rally. They make it a 5-3 uh, a to three game, and you're feeling like there's a chance. You're feeling like there's an absolute chance uh, going into the eighth inning, going into the ninth inning. And frankly, you know, throughout this game, too many wasted opportunities. Too many. You had opportunities. You had another 10-hit game. Uh, I, how many games in a row is that 10-plus hits? I think it's a lot. I want to say it's, is it four or five games now in a row with 10-plus hits? Uh, so the the offense is there. This one, I mean, double plays. Three ground into double plays. Really, really uh, wipe away some chances. Uh, in the third inning, uh, Jose Ramirez would ground into a double play. Even Jose, you know, even Jose's not immune to it after an Ahmed Rosario walk. Uh, in the fourth inning, Tyler Freeman would ground into a double play after a Gabriel Arias walk. Uh, and then when was the last one here? Uh, to end the sixth inning, that one hurt. And I just, I did not like Mike Zanino up. Frankly, I know Zanino's here to hit home runs, but he ain't hitting them. I would have loved for them to pinch hit for Zanino in the bottom of the sixth inning here. Uh, Brennan struck out to begin the inning, but Arias had singled. Freeman had singled and both with hard hit balls, 106 for Arias, 104 for Freeman. And here comes Zanino with, you know, a force at every base. And I'm just thinking to myself, this it reeked of either strikeout or ground into a double play. And sure enough, he picks the worst of the two options and grounds into a double play to end the threat there in the sixth inning. When you were, you were searching for, for someone to step up. For someone to step up and be a hero and spark the comeback rally. We'd have to wait one more inning. You know, Ramirez and Naylor and Brennan are able to do it in the seventh. Uh, so we'd have to wait one more inning. Then they pinch hit in the seventh inning. Where was this pinch hit in the sixth? I wanted it there. And in the seventh inning, you had Gabriel Arias up. I didn't want to pinch hit for him. The guy had just smoked one at 106.1 in his last at bat. But your pinch hitting for him here it didn't make any sense. Uh, so yeah, so... I mean, the Guardians put a good fight in. Let's be honest. They put a really good fight in Saturday night. The Houston Astros are able to hold on, though, uh, and hold on to the win. And so, I mean, putting yourself into a three-run hole in the top of the first inning, it's it's really hard to do in this game. It's going to make life difficult. And uh, what makes Friday night so amazing is these things don't happen all the time. So to expect to be able to come back and do it again on Saturday... I'm, look at 
I think we're all glad that they continue to fight throughout Saturday's baseball game. But to expect them to be able to do it two nights in a row is asking a monumental, Herculean effort uh, of these guys. And they gave it their best. So, I mean, round of applause for that, right? They gave it their best. MVP on the day for uh, for uh, this Saturday night game, I think I got to give it to Tim Heron. I mean, saving the bullpen, going the three innings. Uh, his final line is three innings pitched, three hits, one earned run, one walk, one strikeout on 47 pitches. He's only hard hit three times. Uh, you know, Naylor on offense did have three RBIs, which, which obviously was huge. But I think maybe the MVP for the week ahead, like to at least save the bullpen for what's coming up might be Tim Heron. So MVP on the day, sure, why not? I mean, honestly, who knows what's going to happen? I mean, he might get optioned back down after this appearance because you're not going to be able to use him for a couple days. So they, honest to God, might send him back down after he just gave you those three innings. I, it would kind of suck. It kind of be a pretty mean thing to do, let's just say, um, for for you know choosing not to use other words. Uh, pretty pretty bad thing to do to a guy. But if he's not available to pitch for like three or four days, then it might be worth it to have another fresh arm up here. I don't know who that person would. be. You know, when you get sent back down, you have to stay down for 10 days. So I don't know exactly who that person would be that would get called back up. But uh, I don't know. Just speculating. We'll, we'll see what happens there. Um, so that that wraps up. I think that wraps up Saturday's game. Uh, again, these games were so much about emotion, so much about feeling. Uh, I, I wish our starters had pitched better because that's something we hang our hat on. But this Houston team is relentless. The way we want to be relentless, right? Houston does it. Their offense does it. I mean, they've got a bunch of 700-plus OPSs on this team where we've got a bunch of 600 OPSs on this team. So, they, I mean, they really do our philosophy pretty darn well. Uh, they have uh, – Abreu is the only one – is the only one to hit a home run in both games. Uh, let's see in that nine run game. Did anybody else have a home run for the Astros? No, just Abreu. Only one. Everything else was doubles. So many doubles. The other thing about this Saturday night game, Zanino was absolute garbage behind the plate. I mean, he goes over three with two strikeouts and grounds into a double play, but, uh, he had, you know, so many guys steal bases on him. So many pass, you know, pass balls and wild pitches and errors and it, just a terrible game from Zanino. I looked, I checked the last time McKenzie pitched, it was Cam Gallagher behind the plate. That's that 10 strikeout game against Minnesota to kick off McKenzie's season. And Gallagher was calling that game. It's no coincidence. I would I don't have the data. I don't know where to find it. But I would love to know the pitcher's whip when Zanino is behind the plate and when Cam Gallagher is behind the plate. Because I'm guessing it would be leaps ahead when Gallagher is behind the plate. He just handles the pitching staff so much better. I am so done with Mike Zanino. I don't I he could hit home runs for the next week. I am so done with Mike Zanino. You spent six million dollars on a guy who was coming back from injuries. It was a risk. It was a calculated risk. It didn't work out. I as soon as, I, at this point, I know they're probably waiting until the Super 2 deadline for Bo Naylor. But at this point, you, you've, you've 
got to move on and get Naylor up here as soon as humanly possible. Um, yeah, I, I can't let that go. I, I wanted to stay positive about the effort made by the Guardians this weekend, but I cannot let Zanino's poor play go. It's it's that bad. Um, all right, so that wraps us up for these two games. Let's get into the emails. And I'm, I'm literally getting emails coming in uh, as we're recording this episode. So let's start with the emails uh, from this weekend, and then we'll dive into the emails uh, from... Uh, from the past, from that got lost in time. So uh, first off, I just want to, you know, let's start on Twitter because I got a message from Zach on Twitter. He said, you sure you're taking tomorrow off? What a win. Brennan and Freeman got to be out there every day. I think Brennan at this point is, I mean, he is out there every day. Frankly, if you had some power that you wanted to add to this team, Brennan could be playing center field every day. That's, I mean, that's the answer. If you want to, Straw can still be there to pinch run and play defense late in the game. Like, Straw could be your fourth outfielder. I know you're paying him a little bit of money, but Straw could be your fourth outfielder. Brennan could start in center field. He's that good. He could do it. He can handle it defensively. And if you wanted to search for power, it, it could be in right field. So I hear you there, Zach. Uh, Brennan and Freeman, yeah, I love when those guys are in the lineup. But yeah, I. I had to dig the day off, man. I just had to. Uh, Emily said, uh, Emily hit me up on Twitter as well. And she said, Davey, can you believe this game the one time you take a day off? And ahaha uh, at the end. Uh, I know, Emily. I, that's, I, so I responded to her. I told her the baseball gods clearly have a sense of humor. Absolutely, right? Uh, like, like my podcast has any flu- influence on the game. But clearly the baseball gods listen. That's what they do. Their job is to consume everything baseball. And uh, I, yeah, so uh, it was fun. Thank you for reaching out on Twitter. It cracked me up to see those messages on Twitter uh, come in. Uh, Rick hit up the email inbox. He said, hi, Davey, what a great game and so needed. My guy, Will Brennan, whom I predicted in my email in March to be the breakout star, is heating up. I heard Yardon Alvarez left tonight's game with oblique pain. We all know how bad that can be. I don't wish ill on anyone, but the timing is good for Cleveland. He's an absolute beast at the plate. I feel first place coming on. Go Guards. Thanks for your podcast. I'm alone here in Austin as far as guard Guardians go. Ah, man, Rick, that hurts. I, I knew a few Clevelanders down in Austin, but there's got to be some around. Wear your Guardians gear around. Someone is bound to say hi to you. Uh, I, I can't remember if this was after the Red Sox series or Friday night's game when this email came in. But, you know, Will Brennan, I was thinking about this. He kind of went through Quan's trajectory, right? If you remember, Quan had an awful May and then just heated up the rest of the summer and rode and was red hot through the end of the year. Could Brennan do that? Could Brennan take the page out of Quan's rookie season and have a you know a really slow start to the season and then absolutely get in fuego to finish off the season that would just be beautiful so thank you Rick and Austin you you've got guardians friends in us we're here for you Rick um uh, moving on another email um about the uh I'm going to save Jeff's email Marlon Jeff Jeff wanted to talk about some stuff from the Red Sox series and some past stuff that we were talking about. So we're going to dig into that. Marlon had a reaction to the game. Uh, He emailed on Saturday night. He said, Hi, Davey. 
The first two games have been very interesting. I predicted Houston held the pitching advantage of game one, but Cleveland held it in the last two games. I was also off on the Astros winning game one, three to one. Yeah, Marlon, that's that's why I don't really spend a lot of my time making predictions like that. You've asked, you know, you, the collective, you, the morning people have asked me questions like that in the past. And frankly, I just love watching the game. I love letting the baseball gods decide who's going to win. And, you know, uh, I love the randomness of baseball. And so, uh, yeah, so we don't don't stress yourself out over predictions. Just in, be excited for the weekend ahead or the, the series ahead. Uh, Stephen Kwan showed why he won a Gold Glove Award last year with his great defense in Game One, where he saved a run by perfectly. He's mean. He means Friday night's game, my Game One here, where he saved a run by perfectly playing the ball off the wall and the great diving catch that saved two runs. He was the unsung hero of Game One. A- absolutely, Kwan is on his way to another MVP award. Neither Logan Allen or Doctor Sticks pitched well. Both gave up home runs to Jose Abreu despite him having the worst season of his career, but the team has certainly adopted Tito's mantra to keep grinding. The only complaint I have of Tito's is pinch hitting for Bell for Arias in the bottom of the seventh inning with runners in scoring position. In tonight's game, I would have rather had Jimenez pinch hit or let Arias hit. Yeah, let Arias hit. We want to see what Arias can do in those situations. Like, you got to put him through the fire if you want to see what kind of player you're going to have. Uh, both games felt like last year's team, where they were never out of it and fought until the final out. Cleveland certainly had their chances in Game 2, especially with J.P. France walking six batters. But three double plays and awful defense by Zanino uh, did them in. Uh, not to mention the fact that Houston swiped four bases. So yeah, Zanino had a, a terrible game. Uh, he, he basically goes on to just hammer home what we've said about the catching situation. Uh, kudos to Tim Heron as he was able to eat three innings and save the bullpen after last night's marathon. Hopefully he figured some things out since his demotion. I remember when he first pitched, Tim Heron was fantastic, right? He had all those strikeouts in his first appearance and we loved them. And then he did, you know, he's got a lot to work. Rookie pitchers, it's a journey. It's a journey with rookie relief pitchers. Uh, hopefully Bieber steps up tomorrow and the offense continues to hit. Let's win the series tomorrow. Marlin in Birmingham. Thank you, Marlin. Matt, Marlin gives us so much great detail. I love his emails. It's a lot to read, but I love his emails. And then uh, Rebecca just emailed in uh, literally while we were recording the show. Rebecca from North Canton. She heard she titled her email Bo. So I'm guessing this is about Bo Naylor. Uh, she said, hello. I was at the game tonight and had a great view of just how Zanino was struggling with all aspects of the game. It's brutal to watch. What more does Bo Naylor have to prove in Columbus? I've been following him since he was in Akron and can't wait for Bo time in Cleveland. Rebecca, you are spot on. He has nothing left to prove. He really doesn't. He's he's hitting for power. I, I've seen some highlights defensively. Um, he's absolutely ready. What, whatever struggles he might have defensively at the major league level or calling a major league game, it can't be worse than Zanino. It can't be. So, I mean, the entire city of Cleveland is bursting at the seams for Bo Naylor to get here. It has to be. At this point, it has to be money, right? What else could it be? Service time manipulation? Like, it, it has to be that. There's no excuse the front office could possibly make other than that. And they're never going to say it because it's just, it's this unspoken thing between us, the fans, and them, the front office, where we know, we know the antics that they're up to. And it's tough on these young players who are already, um, 
the, the guy from the Cubs years ago, uh, who's out with Colorado right now, I'm totally blanking on his name. He was the Nolan Arenado. He was the perfect, yeah, right. He was the perfect example of this, where just uh, they totally messed with his service time, and he knew it, and he called him out on it, and it was a whole thing in Chicago. So we know front offices do this. I, I believe the deadline is coming up soon, right? That's what I'm hearing from people that the the super two deadline, which means they get an extra year of arbitration out of him, um, is coming up soon. So. Hang in there, Rebecca. Hang in there. Keep beating the drum. Like, don't take it easy on the front office. Keep beating the drum to get Bo Naylor up here. I saw someone, uh, I uh, Quincy uh, on Twitter, uh, who we've we've interacted with in the past. Uh, we tweet back and forth sometimes. He, I think he does a different podcast. Um, he, I saw a comment of his on Twitter where someone was saying something about this, and he was like, "I don't care about the money." I know he's close to that Super 2 deadline, but I don't care. I'm a fan that wants to see the best baseball players on the field for my team. I don't care the money problems between billionaires and millionaires, and I couldn't agree more with him on that one. So thank you, Rebecca. Thanks for emailing in. All right, now it is time to dig into those old emails. Get ready for some of these takes. I will go to Jeff's email first. Jeff emailed in today. it's It's a comment about something in the past, but it's super relevant, so let's get to it first. He said, Hi, David. This is Jeff in Palo Alto, California, coming to us from the West Coast. Um, Hi, David. Love the podcast. It's become an indispensable part of my morning workout routine. Great to hear intelligent baseball talk that you just can't get on radio or TV. Thank you, Jeff. I really appreciate that. I mean, that's kind of why I started doing this. It's just I wasn't hearing anyone talking like this on radio and TV, and I figured, why not? Why not let's have some a fun conversation about the actual baseball. So just want to bring up one point though. After the Bieber game earlier this week, you were lamenting the fact that the guardians just didn't have the home run power to finish the comeback in the eighth after giving up the lead. I like to point out the inherent irony of your complaint, given that the reason they were behind was the four runs. The Red Sox scored without the benefit of a home run. Only one extra base hit in that rally. As a matter of fact, I'll take four runs in an inning any way I can get them. Thank you. I'm sure that you I'm sure you know that the way to score runs is by avoiding outs and hitting for power, maximizing on base percentage and slugging. In fact, research shows that the former on base percentage is more important than the latter. The Guardians are among the worst in baseball at both right now. They're trending upwards, but obvious improvements would come from replacing the starters at catcher, center field, and shortstop with guys who could slow the out clock down like the Sox did in the top of the eighth. Piling up the total bases would be a welcome plus. Back to irony, I'm old enough to remember those great teams of the 90s. Fans back then would criticize those clubs for sitting back and waiting for the three-run homer. They swore up and down that being reliant on the long ball was a weakness, especially in the playoffs. Interesting contrast to today, huh? Anyway, keep up the good work, Jeff and Palo Alto. Jeff, here's how I'll respond. You are 100% right. You are absolutely correct. I do love the Guardian style of baseball. But, but that's not to say that it is a very difficult style of baseball. You put a lot of pressure on yourself. Remember, this is a team with like a team batting average of like, they were down at like 230. I haven't checked recently, but they they were under 250. 
So that and that means those hits are really hard to come by. And what the Red Sox did in the top of the eighth, I mean, you're also looking at two teams who, let's face it, aren't the best offensive teams in the American League. And they're two teams that are kind of struggling this season. So, yes, I, I do love, man, when the Guardians can grind out rallies like they did this weekend against Houston. It's so much fun. The crowd is on their feet. The stadium is electric. God, I miss John Adams beating the drum. Don't you miss John Adams beating the drum during these rallies? It just it filled the stadium with such energy. So I absolutely agree with you that they got to keep playing this way. The home run thing, it's a little more relevant when we're playing Minnesota. It's a little more relevant when we're playing... Um, Wait to some of these other AL East teams. Uh, the Yankees, obviously. Like, you've seen what happened in the playoffs with the Yankees, right? Those home runs were such gut punches. And they did it to us in 2022 in the pandemic season. Remember, Bieber got lit up for some home runs against them. Those home runs can be such gut punches from the Twins, from the, the Yankees, from the Blue Jays. Um, wait till we face Tampa Bay. Uh, so, yeah, it's just... It's not that I don't want to see us ground out, and I don't love the on-base. Believe me, I love the on-base. I'm a huge fan of the movie Moneyball and pointing down at Jonah Hill at the end of the table because they get on base. I love it. But the the home run ball, it it's that grand finale on a great symphony, right? It's the end of the 1812 overture where the cannons are going off and everything's going nuts. It's that big flourish to end one of these rallies that really that knocks the pitcher out of the game you know that just demoralizes the other team it, that's that's kind of what i was referring to it, it would be nice to have a few of those you know and uh you know this team isn't there is power on this team that's the other thing we know there's power on this team we know there's ramirez has power we know Naylor. I, he just hard hits the the heck out of everything right now. We know Bell has power. We've seen Andres Jimenez with power. It's just for some reason this season it's it's worse than it was has ever been before. And so you are a hundred percent right. Uh, the Guardians need to continue playing their style of baseball. I just would love to see a timely home run. You know, with a couple guys on base. After we've already knocked in a run or two, and that pitcher is just absolutely on the ropes to finish him off. That that's kind of what I'm referring to, Jeff. So I I appreciate all your thoughts in this email. Um, yeah, boy, catcher, center field, and shortstop. We are going to continue to talk about those positions as we get close to the Super Two deadline for replacing Zanino. As we get close to the trade deadline, like I said, Brennan could move over to center field, and you put a power someone with some pop in right field, and boy. That, that could be something. So, Jeff, thank you from the email from Palo Alto. All right, digging into these old emails, the oldest one I got here on May 10th from uh, Jeff in Columbus. He said, uh, I, I don't know what game he's referring to, but he said, Davey, come on, bud. How about co-MVPs for last night's game? Bieber pitched awesome, even though he made it hard on himself every inning. But it's almost expected for the ace of your staff. Six innings, but Ahmed had four hits. You know how hard that is. I And he came through late with a triple to secure the insurance run. This is something the Gardos have been missing all year. The big hit late to push across another run or two. 
Love the podcast. I listen every day, either on my drive to work, walking the dog, or working out. I just found it this year, and it's a staple of my morning routine. Thank you, Jeff. Uh, Finally, please temper your Bibby pronouncements as the new ace of the staff. The kid needs time to adjust to the regular grind of the season. I appreciate you are excited for his talent, but Bieber Quantrill deserve the accolades as they have been around. P.S. Jose Ramirez is the best, and I am so glad he is a Cleveland Guardian. It is important to say this stuff out loud and appreciate him while we have him. Even though he's not hitting yet, at least to his and our expectations, he contributes in so many ways. Moreover, he is a great leader in the clubhouse and mentor to the younger players. He plays hard, has fun, and is a joy to witness. Jeff, respectfully, Jeff and Columbus. Jeff, I have no idea what game you're talking about. You know, MVP on the day, I struggle with that so much sometimes. It's so hard to single out one player sometimes because you're right. There will be games where Bieber gives an awesome performance, a gutsy performance, and then Ahmed Rosario also has four home runs. So there are days where I have to do co-MVP, so maybe you I'll have to look back. This was on May 10th, so I'm guessing this is the game from May 9th. Uh, Or maybe it was was May 10th. Who knows? I'll have to look back and uh, see if maybe Ahmed, do we need to adjust the... uh, uh, the MVP trophy and, and scratch Ahmed Rosario's name in there for May 9th. Um, I, I appreciate the enthusiasm. Uh, thank you so much for finding the show. Yeah, Bybee, I, I may have gotten a little excited about Bybee, but I'm going to call you out here, Jeff, and this is the fun about going back to these old emails. Uh, Bieber and Quantrill as the aces of the staff. Boy, that Quantrill... Uh, comments that didn't age well. Uh, I, I want, I really wanted Quantrill to work out, but uh, he is not having the season, and now he's dealing with the whole shoulder thing. I know, but uh, that one didn't age too well. I might have gotten too excited about Bybee, though. You're right. I, it's he was him and Logan Allen have been very exciting rookies. Honestly, now today, even with Saturday night's game. And McKenzie struggling against Houston and struggling with that slider. I think if I had a name in Ace of the Staff right now, uh, or, or for the future, the Ace of the Future, I might go Tristan McKenzie. I mean, he is so good. His personality is amazing. He's such a delight. Uh, he see, as a teammate, he seems like just the greatest dude to be around. And so uh, we are so lucky. And and we've talked about extending Bieber. Honestly, if you had to make me choose between a long-term contract to Shane Bieber and a long-term contract to Tristan McKenzie today, I'm picking McKenzie. I am. I, the, frankly, Bieber might, if Bieber can continue to be this guy, he could pitch for another, what, like 10 years and have a very solid career. McKenzie might surpass him one day. I Right now, I would guess that McKenzie is going to surpass him in skill and talent and, and statistics and all that. Um, not to take anything away from Bieber in the kind of pitcher he is, McKenzie is just that electric. Um, so yeah, so thank you, Jeff, for the email. Uh, Jeff had another one in here. Uh, we might as well uh, follow up on Jeff's emails. He said, Hi, Davey. Uh, hey there, this is Jeff in Columbus. I sent you a few notes on Twitter. Uh, left a five-star rating on your podcast. Oh, thanks, Jeff. I appreciate that too. I wanted to share this article I saw uh, from thebiglead.com regarding the Padres and MLB taking over the broadcast rights. MLB plans to lift local blackouts for games. I hope the Guardians and MLB can follow suit. 
Okay, thanks again for the podcast. I'm anxiously awaiting the shuffle of the pitching staff and hope the front office just simply waves Zanino and lets Cam and Bo catch the rest of the season. I can't get enough of this Zanino hate uh, on the email, on Twitter. Everybody is against this guy right now. Uh, FYI, I'm a big Ahmed Rosario fan. I know this is not a popular position, but I just love the dude, minus the ground into double plays. I think mainly because he's a great friends with J-Ram, and if J-Ram loves him, so do I. All the best, Jeff and Columbus. Uh, so Jeff, I'll just say about Ahmed Rosario. I like him. I do. I like him. He seems like another great teammate. I love his hustle. We last year, I was gushing about him on the base paths. It's just, oh, it's not working this season. And there's so many young shortstops coming and we know, we know they're probably going to move on in the off season. It's, it's a little bit hard to watch this season. It's just, He's he's always fluctuated up and down with his success, right? He'll have a couple of terrible games, a couple of great games, and that fluctuation is it's just tough when the rest of the team isn't going well. About these broadcast rights things, I I think I I heard some good things and some bad things. Is, is it true that Major League Baseball is making people pay though for MLB TV? Like they're taking over the broadcast, but are they making it available to um like to the people of San Diego? Is it readily available, or do you have to now subscribe to MLB TV um, is the interesting things. And I've been waiting for the shoe to drop in Cleveland with Bally Sports, and nothing nothing happens. I, we keep going to the Bally Sports app and being able to watch the game. So as long as that keeps going, uh, I, I guess we'll just keep riding this wave. Again, it's billionaires arguing amongst billionaires, and we're just the little, the, the little people stuck in their way. Uh, when it comes to just in trying to enjoy our baseball team and watch their games. Like, it, it should not be this hard. It should be really simple to get your local sports games on. Uh, and then Jeff, uh, his last email that got lost. Um, Thanks for the note about lost emails in your spam junk folder. I figured that was the case. Just listen to the 6-6 game podcast, and thanks for the shout-out. You're welcome. After that first inning, I was sure we would run Paxton, but no, he survived and pitched very well late in the game. That is where we need to hit the homer and knock their starter out. I'm confident Jose will get hot sooner than later. He did hit it hard for the last out, but not enough. He is also popping up a good bit. Very happy to see Brendan Bell and Naylor contributing and pleased with Rosario's pinch hit. As I mentioned before, I'm pro I'm in Rosario for no other reason than he's best friends with Jose. But I really do think that when the team is playing at its best, Ahmed is out there hitting triples, running the bases, and playing solid shortstop. Finally, I was hoping you could talk a little bit about Miles Strana's defense. I think he saves a run or two almost every night. Any stats out there to back up my hunch? I live in Columbus and really enjoy watching the Clippers play, especially when so many successful, so, so many successfully make their way up to Cleveland. I really became a big fan of the Guardians, probably due to watching so many current guards make their way through Columbus over the years. I'm not from Ohio, so no affiliation with any team here, but for some special reason, I've truly developed a strong bond with the team. Having a superstar like J-Ram on the team helps, coupled with last year's magical playoff run with special. My family thinks I've become a little too obsessed with the team, but there are worse things. All the best, Jeff and Columbus. That's true. There are, there are plenty of worse things to get obsessed with than a local baseball team. Uh, and yeah, uh, you know what, Cleveland, we have a way of kind of pulling you in, don't we? It's it's easy to, I'm telling you, it's easy to fall in love with this city. I, I might be biased because I grew up here, but the city, this baseball team, 
it's easy to be a fan of them. They truly are just constantly the underdog fighting as hard as they can. Uh, so that's cool that the Columbus team kind of propelled you into being a Guardians fan. Um, about uh, about uh, JRAM getting hot. Man, you emailed in like a day too early, didn't you? Because Jose is red hot right now. So it's fun. Maybe your email is the thing that did it, right? The baseball gods saw your email and they're like, oh, oh we forgot to turn, you know, turn Jose Ramirez on. Let's get him going. Uh, but yeah, you emailed like a day too soon because he is absolutely rocking progressive field right now. Uh, Miles Straw about his defense. Yeah, you're you're absolutely correct. Uh, Straw's defense, there's no doubt it's elite. And that's why I think I think we can all agree that we don't want to DFA Miles Straw. There is room for Miles Straw on this baseball team. There's a room for a speed guy, a guy that can pinch run late in a game, stay in and play defensively. This is wild, though. Uh, looking at his percentile rankings um, on StatCast, okay, his outs above average is a 24th percentile right now. And his outfield jump is in the 34th percentile with arm strength in the 62nd percentile. Those are very low numbers. I am shocked by that. Last year, in 2022, his outs above average were in the 98th percentile, and his outfield jump was in the 58th percentile. So his outs above average, which is, again, one of these amalgamation stats where they take a lot of data and put it into one number that you can kind of look at. Um, So it goes from one of the best in baseball in 2022 to statistically one of the worst in baseball, 24th percentile. So something in the stats there is off. Uh, I don't know. I If I wanted to, I could probably deconstruct that further. Um, but you're right that he, uh, visually, he's still, the to the eye test, he is still one of the absolute best defensive guys in baseball. So definitely a role for him on this team. But do we need him starting uh, is the question. In the lineup every day is the question. So thank you, Jeff. Keep emailing in. Those emails were fantastic. And I, frankly, we lost a little bit in those previous episodes by not having your emails in there. So keep them coming. Uh, I got an email here from May 13th from Megan. Megan is also emailing in from Columbus. Uh, her email is titled, Woo! She said, Hi, Davey. We beat Shohei Otani. We beat Shohei Otani. We beat Shohei Otani and Mike Trout. What fun jumping cheering exciting game like last season we did it we all needed this kind of play and win as fans we needed this as players they needed this confidence builder this gives us all new hope for the season especially if we face some more bumps in the road and i think we can be more excited about rosario too and Naylor. wow happy fan in columbus from megan uh wow the enthusiasm in this email megan i am blown away again This episode could have used that enthusiasm because you're right. Beating Shohei Otani is a huge feather in the Guardians cap. Uh, You know, I don't remember the details of these games. You'd be shocked. You know, I talk this stuff every day and how how quickly these details kind of pass me by. There's just been so many baseball games in my lifetime. Uh, So I don't remember the exact details, but. I love the enthusiasm, and you're right. Going up against the Angels, even though they're not the best team, I mean, for some reason, Otani is just, it's primetime baseball. It's must-see baseball when Otani is in town. So 
Uh, I feel your energy, Megan, and keep emailing in. Keep hitting us with this energy after big wins because uh, I need it. It keeps me going when I'm recording late at night. Uh, I love reading all your exclamation points. So thank you, Megan and Columbus, for the email. Uh, you know, I, there were a couple of Marlin ones that got lost, but Marlin, I, I think your voice has been heard pretty well uh, on this show uh, in the last few weeks. And I think some of these we actually did get to. Maybe you re-pushed them and they got into the inbox. So I think uh, I have read some of these ones. I will point out Marlon did send one in after a blowout loss to the White Sox where he really went in hard about the team chemistry and looking lifeless and not cheering for each other. And I think uh, this last week, this weekend, you know, this last week has proved that no, 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 no. The chemistry is there. These guys do still believe in each other. It was just a really hard start to the season. I mean, a lot of guys were in slumps, and that's just, it's really difficult. So I think we can all agree, Marlon, even though you sent this email in on May 24th, uh, a lot has changed in the last two weeks, right? So uh, keep sending them in, Marlon. We appreciate your emails. Moving into an email from Andrew. This is from June 3rd. Uh, He says, finally, uh, titles the email, finally, he says, can you believe it? After two one-run losses, anything else new? Against the team we need to beat the most right now, we don't hang our heads. We come right back and finally put one all together. Jimenez continues his multi-hit game tear. We get unlikely but timely homers from Brennan and Quan. I know, two unlikely candidates. Brennan was the first to homer off of Gray all year. I figured this was one of those Minnesota Twins games when he said the team we need to beat the most right now. And perhaps most important, our bullpen doesn't let us down. Karinchek doesn't choke, and Klasse comes in and seems like his 2022 self. Finally, huge win. Oh, and thanks for your podcast. I'm a Cleveland baseball nut here in North Canton, Ohio. My son is 10 and playing Little League, and we love listening to Hamilton on the radio and following up with your show the next day. What is summer without baseball? And thanks for what you do, Andrew from North Canton. That is awesome, Andrew. And I'm so, uh, man, I can't believe your email got buried again in that spam folder because I love hearing this. Uh, So shout out to Andrew and his son, who I hope is just absolutely crushing it in Little League right now. I hope he's taking all the lessons he's learning from watching guys like Jose Ramirez and Stephen Kwan. I hope he runs the bases like Ramirez. I hope he goes the other way like Stephen Kwan does. Though at 10 years old in Little League, that's pretty tough to do. That's a pretty advanced skill uh, going the other way like that. So I, again, anytime family members, you know, listening to games with your kids, that's so special. And I, yeah, I grew up on the radio too. I mean, I used to fall asleep when I was his age, when I was 10 years old, I would fall asleep every night listening to the game on the radio. And it's just amazing how your mind starts to see the game, whether it was, it was, uh, you know, Indians games at the time or Cavs games too. I mean, I can see a basketball game in my mind. Uh, as well as I can watch it on TV. You know, so I, I imagine for some people listening to basketball on the radio is nearly impossible. Uh, but yeah, I man, I love those days. I love being that age and just being in love with sports and being outside and having fun with your friends. A great time. So uh, again, the details of this game, I do remember we beat up, we, we shocked them by beating up on Sonny Gray. Uh, so again, that was a huge win. Uh, I love that you point out that Karinchek doesn't choke in this one, and Klasse comes in and seems like his old self. Uh, Karinchek, you know, again, that guy's a roller coaster man. So uh, 
getting sent down now, uh, eight days after Andrew sent this email in. So, Andrew, thank you. Keep the emails coming because this is that's great stuff. And again, good luck to your son on his little league season. Uh, that's so much fun. Uh, we got an email from Greg. Uh, he emailed in a few days ago. He said about off day. Oh, he emailed in on the off day, on that Monday off day. He said, hi, Davey. I've been slacking on my emails. I typed one the other day and forgot to hit send. Whoops. Hope you are doing well. I'm super happy to see Mackenzie and Savali back. A bigger thing I am excited about right now in regards to pitching is the bullpen. Karinczak is starting to look really good along with Stefan. Oh boy, that didn't age well, did it, Greg? We really need our bullpen to be super effective. I'm also very interested to see what the lineup will start looking like when Rosario and Bell are back. I love seeing Freeman get at bats and Arias getting uh, daily playing time. Remember, both those guys, uh, Bell was out on the paternity list. Rosario was dealing with a little bit of injury. So yeah, Freeman and Arias did get some extra at bats. Jumping back into his email, also awesome to see Brennan and Jimenez get hot along with Naylor and Arias staying hot. I'm hoping Jose can get going soon. Again, man, these emails. He did. He did get going. I can tell he is frustrated and maybe Bell will come back with some extra dad strength and start hitting some bombs. No, not yet, Greg. Not yet. One last point. Did you see how excited and pumped up Cam Gallagher was after Classe's strikeout to end the game yesterday against the Twins? This is the kind of energy I want to see from our catchers. He was so excited for Classe to get out of that inning and to get out of town with the 2-2 split. I'm ready to see Bo Naylor. He hit two more homers this weekend, but I think my pick for backup catcher is Cam. I'm getting tired of Zanino. Well, have a great week. Time to beat up the Red Sox. Peace, Greg. Um... Yeah, man, the Zanino train, the Zanino train runs right out of town, and every Guardians fan is standing there waving goodbye to him. Uh, yeah, you're no, you're absolutely right, Greg. Uh, Cam Gallagher's defense is elite. Uh, in fact, I saw someone throw up one of those infographics on Twitter, and I think he was like top four in baseball when it came to it, might have been outs above average stat we just talked about with Miles Straw. Um, but he is Cam Gallagher has been very, very good. Uh, defensively, I actually bet I could look this up if I uh, if I can keep this going long enough. And uh, let's pull up his Statcast page and let's see literally where he ranks uh, in MLB and outs above average. But yeah, throwing out base runners, calling games. What about calling games? He's been absolutely fantastic. No, they're not giving me outs above average. I when guys don't play enough, they don't get a full percentile ranking. I can tell you in pitch framing, however, he ranks at 98th in baseball when it comes to pitch framing. So that's that's something. Uh, no, it's not telling me what his outs above average are. Darn it! I really hoped it was going to give us those d uh, those defensive numbers there. So uh, okay, but yeah, you, you're 100% right. Cam Gallagher has to be the choice to pair with Bo Naylor. So thank you, Greg. And then we got some emails from Jared. Jared pushed these emails. Uh, they're emails that got lost a long time ago, and then he re-pushed them a few days ago when he heard about my spam box issues. So uh, Jared uh, doesn't say where Jared is emailing in from, but he uh, he was emailed on April 1st, so beginning of the season. Ahmed's defense. I am sending this email way too soon, but I mostly listen to the game, so I, it won't be something I'll be able to watch. I'm curious to see how Rosario's defense will hold up with the new rules. From you know the shift rules, the alignment rules, he doesn't seem to have a ton of range. So I worry about shifting how many balls will go through the infield that someone else could get to. They will likely be scored as hits, 
but I'm wondering if this was something you could report on a month into the season. Well, we're a couple months into the season now, and uh, let's pull up his StatCast page and see what we got there. Um, I think, you know, for the most part, I always felt his defense was respectable. Okay. Uh, this might, he might have been onto something here. Uh, no. Okay. So looking back at the 2022 percentile ranking, just to set some expectations, outs above average, he was in the third percentile for outs above average. This is in 2022 with the shift. And when we all thought his defense was approving, he was in the third percentile for outs above average. For 2023, he is in the first percentile. He is in the bottom of the league for outs above average. So the answer is no. His defense has not technically improved. If anything, it's gotten a little worse. But um, again, to the eye test, to the eye test, I think we've all agreed that for the last few years he's been serviceable. But there, man, there are some really talented shortstops in this system that could be playing. Could be playing. So again, I really like Ahmed Rosario, Jared, but his time is definitely coming to an end with this team. There's just, the future of shortstop is way too bright. We we can't spend more time on Ahmed Rosario, even, even if he is Jose Ramirez's best friend on the team. And uh, Jared's other email here, and this one is from April 27th, so just, you know, put yourself back in the frame of mind of where we were at the end of April. Uh, this one is offense versus defensive catcher. Hearing about how well Gallagher is doing for the catchers versus all the past balls for Zanino is bringing me around to Francona's way of looking at catchers. Is Zanino's offense making up for what he lacks in defense? Question mark. How much worse of a game caller is he than what we've been used to in the past? I think Zanino has been an awful game caller. If I mean, if you look, the games where Cam Gallagher catches, Allen does great, Bybee does great, McKenzie does great everybody pitches better when Cam Gallagher is catching. That can't be a coincidence. There has to be something he is doing back there that is, you know, helping these guys reach their potential, be their best. For McKenzie, it's to strike out 10 batters. So, uh, no, Jared, uh, something is definitely wrong with what Zanino does behind the plate. It is not working in his offense in no way has made up for that. Maybe if he had 15 home runs, you know, 10, 15 home runs at this point, maybe there'd be a few of you out there emailing in saying, hey, but what about the home runs? But I mean, no, he's not contributing anything offensively even. So, oh boy. Uh, so clearly the in theme of the inbox, the storyline here is that the morning people and the Guardians fans are just done with Mike Zanino at catcher. Uh, so that cleans out the inbox. We did it. We cleared the spam folder. We got to all your emails. I'm so sorry, and thank you for being patient. And hopefully you turned in. Hopefully, uh, you know, you turn, tuned in Jeff and Marlon and the other Jeff with a G. And uh, so many of you, uh, Emily on Twitter who hit me up, uh, Megan who had emailed in, Greg, so many of you where those emails got lost. I thank you so much and continue to contribute to the show. I'm going to believe me, I am on it now. I will not miss your email. So I told you we were going long. Oh boy, did we go long in this episode. So uh, whether you listened to the whole thing, whether you jumped around, whether you split this up over two days, that's all my thoughts. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. 
Again, the final, uh, you know what, we'll just say we're 1-1 in the series with the Astros right now, and we're going for a Sunday series win. It's going to be tough. This team, this offensively, this Astros team is ridiculously tough. But let's see if we can pull it off. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Spotify. If you go to the link in the show notes, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play it back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. Baseball Morning.